ora. I'm Laura Clark, the British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to another episode of Tea with the High Commission, the British High Commission's podcast, where we interview a range of interesting people talking about anything and everything, and in the process discover the great connections between the UK and New Zealand. Kia ora. I'm Sam Pass, Deputy High Commissioner to New Zealand. This is my first ever podcast, and I'm so excited to be beginning my podcast journey with a very special guest via Zoom, Jessica Holmes. Jessica is an award-winning director originally from Christchurch, New Zealand, and is perhaps best known for her work bringing the royal family to life in seasons three and four of The Crown. She first cut her teeth directing with the Australian series Heartbreak High, before working on shows such as The Slap and Wake. She left Sydney for London in 2014 to direct episodes of season two of Broadchurch, and has stayed there ever since, helming shows such as The Split, Apple Tree Yard and The River. She has worked with some of Britain's best actors, including Olivia Colman, David Tennant, Emily Watson, Helena Bonham Carter and Nicola Walker, and worked with acclaimed showrunners Peter Morgan and Chris Chibnall. She's now well and truly made her mark in the UK, with her work on The Crown earning her an Emmy nomination for season three finale, Cree de Coeur. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Kiora, it's so nice to be speaking to someone at home. (laughs) I'm so glad we've got this opportunity. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm a big fan of your work. So let's get started. Um, You come from a talented family of directors and actors. Do you think you were always going to end up in the entertainment industry or did you have other plans originally? I guess if I, with the benefit of hindsight, it probably makes sense where I ended up, but I wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure. I was very into sport and athletics when I was at school, but I had a very private um, secret love of cinema that I'm not sure I entirely understood. I grew up in a theatre family, what a a film or television director was. But I remember being shown uh, Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet when I was at high school by an English teacher and having that kind of transcendent experience as you can at 14 and disappearing into that world and, and knowing somewhere in my back brain, someone gets to create that world, who gets to do that, that's what I want to do. But it just seemed like such a genuinely unattainable goal. I had no idea how to get from that idea to doing it. Fantastic. Well, look, we're going to come back to your earlier career a little bit later in the interview. But um, for me, The Crown is fascinating, not only for its depiction of the royals, but for the way it brings colour to British history, from events like the Aberfan disaster to the moon landing. Was there anything that particularly surprised you when you were researching for The Crown? So many things. We have um, a, a royal, we have many royal advisors, but we have someone who works with us on set, um, Major David, and he is a font of all knowledge. And even things like how the day is structured. I think what struck me more than anything was the deep love and respect that every single person who works in that, in that organisation has for the crown, for the monarch herself. And I was very, I became very swept up in that. After two seasons of it, I have such immense respect for the Queen, for for the job that she does, for what she's sacrificed and her extraordinarily unwavering duty to the country. And I don't think I would have said that before I came onto the show. I've really learned an enormous amount about how the monarch works within uh, the British Constitution and how it work, how she works, why that stopgap, if we, if, the, if I'm putting a very um, simplistic term on it, is so important for our parliamentary structure. And if she, if that were to go, 
it would need to be filled with something else. So I think that for me has been the most fascinating. And then I guess it's all the other things like the fact that they love to eat dinner on their own and they don't want to be served and the corgis are always allowed to eat from the dining table and, you know, all of that kind of stuff I found fascinating. But, you know, they are a family like any family and they're, they're functional and dysfunctional as we all are. And, and that's the thing to, I think to remember. I was very, very nervous when I started because I did think, you know, I grew up in New Zealand. This is, not, this is all completely foreign to me. But it became clear to me that having that outsider's eye could be a really valuable thing. And I've always tried to lean in towards that in my directing. For not being from somewhere actually can enable you to look at it, perhaps not, perhaps more critically, but also just with a slightly unwavering gaze because you're, you don't have the history or the politics of it in your blood in the same way. Absolutely. It's really interesting just talking to you, listening to you talk about that sense of public service alongside being a normal family. And I think that's what the crown really shows, actually. You know, it's the kind of, you know, the, the two sides of the royal family that not everyone gets to see. So brilliant. And through the crown, you've helped bring to life some of the UK's most significant historical figures. We've got Diana, Princess of Wales. We've got Margaret Thatcher. Everybody, there's just so many things going on and lots of historical events. Um, do you have a Kiwi historical figure that you would love to bring to screen or a period of history that you would love to cover in more detail? I did think about this quite a lot and I, I think my you know my really deep wish for this is I just think there is so much Maori history that hasn't made it to the screen that I would love to see made in the scale with the budgets that we're doing something like the crown on because I think they are and and this is not for me to make this is some something for a for a Maori filmmaker to make but that's what I'd like to see I feel like the extraordinary way New Zealand has developed as a nation from particularly from Maori culture and its effect on, on the Pākehā people who, who live within that nation is groundbreaking for the world. And I just would love, it's going to make me a bit emotional, that's what I'd love to see money poured into. I think people would flock to see that. So, you know, if anyone from HBO is listening, please go down there. <laughs> there's so much talent, there's so much story, there's so much history. And I think it is, it speaks to the way I would hope the world is starting to move forward in terms of leadership. Absolutely. We'll see if we can get that message out to HBO for you, definitely. Um, thinking about Broadchurch and how popular it was in the UK and how Britons embraced the characters it's featured, I certainly did. I was a huge fan. Um, how do you put your own mark on an episode of a series such as Broadchurch or The Crown while still making it feel like it fits in with the rest of the series? You mentioned your outsider's eye, but is there something else you feel you bring? Yes, I think it's so interesting that that question, because I do um, chop and change between doing complete shows on my own um, or being part of a show. I really love being part of a show, but I'm very um, particular about which ones I go, go into. For me, it's much more about the writer's voice. So, for example, with River, as soon as I knew it was Abby Morgan, she was someone I'd always wanted to work with. I really wanted to work with Chris on Broadchurch. So... I still think there's room within individual episodes for, and they particularly encourage this on The Crown, for you to have a, an individualistic filmmaker's point of view on what you're saying. There are certain elements that always remain the same. The cast are the same. There are certain sets that are the same. But the way that you tell the story is it, the point of view and the way that you choose to affect the audience by working with the writer, that's all up to you as a director. And I think that is 
up for play in, in any show that's open to it. You just mentioned actually about directing an entire series such as Apple Tree Yard, which again was an absolutely amazing series and really challenged perceptions of how people see women actually in their relationships. Did this come with its own unique challenges? It was terrifying making Apple Tree Yard because I think all of us at the centre of it, myself, Emily, Amanda Coe, who's the screenwriter, Louise Doughty, who was the um, novelist, and Chris Carey and Amanda Levin, who are our kind of extraordinary producers, we knew what we were trying to convey to an audience, but we also didn't want to preach to the converted. We knew that, you know, there's a, there's a large, very aware group of the population, you know, 50% of us who understand what those sexual politics are like, but what we wanted to do was reach perhaps those people who, had, who that hadn't occurred to or hadn't seen it from that perspective. And as you know, in the book, there's a kind of twist at the end. And I really, I was very grateful when I spoke to the author, I'd said, look, to me, that's not about a, a whodunit. It's not a kind of revelatory moment. And she said, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a deeply sad moment about someone who's in love with someone they don't realize is a fantasist, is more of a fantasist than they are. And so that was, achieving that was, was very challenging. And dealing with the nature of sexual assault and being older and feeling invisible because of the way communities tend sadly not to value the extraordinary brilliance of being an older woman which you know i'm just that's a that's a flag i'm going to be pushing for a long time and i and you know the queen is another one i really i look for these strong female characters who have something to say and reflect back on the society that we live in you know and i think it is shifting and changing i mean i've never been prouder to be a new zealander thank you jacinda i mean she's just <laughs> paved the way for all of us but it is wonderful that these female leaders are, are getting the recognition they deserve for the extraordinary work perhaps that they've done in this pandemic, you know, so that's, it's a very important thing to me politically and it does imbue everything that I do. Absolutely. And here, here. And it also means you get to work with some amazing actresses like Emily Watson and Olivia Coleman as well. Um, you know, Emily Watson in Apple Tree Yard just blew everybody else off the screen, I think, in a very difficult role. So, yeah, absolutely. It was. She, when I met her to play that, she said, oh, my God, I really thought these days were over. But in our first meeting, she said, we discovered that our birthdays were four days apart. And she said, you're a Kiwi. And I said, yes. And she has a, a long, long love affair with New Zealand. She's worked there many times. It's really her favourite place. And that was it. That was really all the conversation we had to have. And then we went on this journey together. So, yeah, she's astonishing. Yeah, no, she is definitely one of our most talented. She's an amazing lady. In the UK, New Zealand is probably better known for its film industry than for its television series. Uh, not just Lord of the Rings, of course, uh, but classic films such as The Piano and Whale Rider, and for film directors such as Peter Jackson, Jane Campion, and Taika Waititi. What do you think it is that sets New Zealand film apart from films produced elsewhere? I think there's an extraordinary originality of voice. I think that time and time again, we return to the story of the individual in the landscape, which I think New Zealand provides an extraordinary feeling about. We are never very far from looking at our cultural situation and reflecting that on screen. And I love that New Zealand film does that. And I think all of those things make it extraordinarily original for, for outside viewers. I love that we don't shy away from our voice. You know, I, I remember even things when I, was, when I was young and Shortland Street began, I thought, how brilliant that we're going to have a soap opera where everyone speaks in Kiwi accents. That's great, because we needed to see ourselves reflected on screen. So I think that's, you know, that's really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I got to know New Zealand through your film industry. Um, a bit like uh, we were talking about, you know, I spent a lot of my youth in the cinemas when I should have been studying. And I do remember seeing a lot of New Zealand films, especially some of those early Peter Jackson films like Heavenly Creatures and, and things like that. Yes. So you've got a real sense of, you know, how New Zealand film workers, uh, filmmakers work. Brilliant. Do you have a favourite Kiwi film? I do. I think I it would be Boy. I just, I, I, which is Tiger's film, which I just can't, it's the film, I own about 10 copies of the DVD. I give it to everybody who asks me, you know, what do I need to know about New Zealand? I'm like, watch this film, watch this film. And it is joyous, it is funny, it explains so much of what makes sense to me about New Zealand. Um, and I love the fact that he plays his own dad in it. I just, you know, I think it's a, it's a piece of genius and it has so much to say. I, and it's full of love. Yeah, he has, he's a really energetic actor. I really like him when he's on screen as well. Absolutely. Um, is there a particular film or TV series you would love to have been involved in, either from New Zealand or elsewhere? Yes, I did think about this quite a lot. There are, there are two. Um, there's a piece called Olive Kitteridge, which is an extraordinary four-parter on depression really with Francis McDormand in the lead um and I remember watching that and thinking I would have done anything to make that I I, I don't think I would have even done what 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 she did but I I loved it so much and the other piece which really struck me was unbelievable I think what that show does and for anyone who hasn't watched it and is listening please please seek it out the, the first episode reflects assault in a way that we're used to seeing and then it flips and, and for the rest of the show, you see it from the perspective that I've always wished we would see it from. So they're, they're the two. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of Frances McDormand, another fantastic female actress from the US who, of course, can break out from stereotypes. She was just uh, stellar in Fargo. And has won two Oscars because she's so brilliant. You know, she's absolutely extraordinary. Uh, so what's your message to aspiring directors out there, either in, the New, either in New Zealand or in the UK? My message is this. Figure out what's important to you and, and how you can find a way through drama and storytelling to convey that. And really think, continue to kind of go back to that question and, and re-look at that question as, as your life develops. And the other thing is protect and um, nurture your own voice. When, you, when you're on a film set... Everybody is there to support you, but the most important thing they need from you is what is particular to you and realise that there is value in your particular viewpoint. Wherever you come from, there is value in who you are as an individual and that's what you can contribute to the world. Brilliant, absolutely. A nice, simple but clear answer, I like that. Just moving on now, obviously you're based in the UK at the moment, you've been there for a while. We've had a tough time over the last year with COVID-19 and I'm sure you can empathise with many of the overseas Brits and Kiwis whose travel plans to visit home and see loved ones have been disrupted in the past year because of the pandemic. How have you stayed connected to family and friends here in New Zealand? I don't think I knew what Zoom was before last March. <laughs> so, Me too. That's been amazing. Um, a lot of FaceTime, a lot of Zoom. You know, I really enjoy talking to my mum and the, and the conversation not having to be particularly about anything, just sitting and having a cup of tea while she's having a cup of tea and seeing what comes up. I do, cry, make me cry, I do really crave, you know, I'd love to hug my parents. I find that. Um, I, can sim I can really um, empathise my parents. So back in the UK and I'm here in Wellington, I'd love to hug them too. It's the distance, yeah. right? 
so I think, you know, that maybe part of the gift of it has to make us so appreciative of those that we love and that we're distanced from. Exactly. I'm just thinking about what we've just said, actually. Maybe we should have a hire a hugs company and I'll send you up to my parents and you can send me down to your parents. That would be, yeah, that would be amazing. And I think also just the fact that people are, the joy of a hug and what it means. It's, uh, you know, it's risen to the top again. And what a great thing that is. Exactly. Although I think my mum, uh, if I told her who you were and that you'd done broad church, she'd probably be too starstruck. So but we could give it a go. <laughs> I, I'd definitely hug her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and what's the one thing you really miss most while being in lockdown? Family and friends. Just to be able to sit with people and have a meal and talk over time. I think that's what I miss more than anything. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and may those times be soon be with us again. Absolutely. A final question for you. We used to end this podcast with a question, what worries you? However, in these times, it feels as if there is already so much to be worried about. So I would like to ask you, what calms you? What do you do that brings back some peace into your day? I walk every morning with my partner and that gives us an hour and a half together, which we both just love. And I like sitting in my daughter's bedroom when she'll let me and having her talk to me. Those are probably the, you know, and, and oh, and my son moved back home. And that was a complete joy at 25 because he, he'd been living with his partner. She was stuck in Denmark where she's from. He was here. They were paying exorbitant amounts of rent. And he asked if he could move back home before he even got halfway through the sentence. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> And the joy of having the two kids reunited and living under the same roof and all of us together has felt very special. So that's been, yeah, that, that's a very calming thing to sit with your family is, 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 is a real joy. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Um, and thank you for such honest and illuminating answers. It's, we've learned lots about you and your career and the wonderful work you've been doing in the UK on television series. I think it's just um, from me to say thank you and uh, all the best with your next project. Are you allowed to tell us what you're working on or is it all a big secret? No, because I'm working on The Crown season five. Oh, <laughs> brilliant, yay! Which is very exciting, actually, and, and I, I hope will be received with the same love and uh, kind of success that the last one was, but it is very exciting. It's a whole new cast, a whole new future that we're going into, and um, I'm really excited about it. It's great. And can I just say thank you to you? It was a, a real privilege to be asked to do this. I was, in fact, totally taken aback, so I'm really grateful and uh, very honoured. Thank you. Oh, well... The honour is all on us, I think. But thank you very much, Jessica. It's been a delight to talk to you. And all the best for the new series of The Crown. And we look forward to watching it with anticipation. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review as it helps others find us. And remember, you can subscribe to us by searching for Tea with the High Commission on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you. Kakiti anō.